Welcome to the H1B Guy podcast. This is Immigration Bites, Episode 2. Top 10 Reasons Why Recruiters Hate Receiving Resumes from H1B Candidates. Immigration Bites choose on the latest in employment-based immigration issues influencing staff augmentation in the U.S. The H1B Guy podcast is proudly sponsored by RecruiterNetworks.com, the smart solution for digital perm ads since 2001. Recruiter Networks saves you time and money. Minimal labor management and flat job post pricing that provides recruitment websites in 1,024 major U.S. metro areas. Their services include automated certified screenshots, ready for upload, and on-demand storage for life. RecruiterNetworks.com. Tell them the H-1B guy sent you. I'm Robert Bouchard, the H-1B guy. Thank you for downloading or streaming my podcast. I've briefly covered this topic on a rant many months ago on my YouTube channel during the H-1B guy unfiltered round one USCIS furloughs postponed stuck in India and a third party rant that originally posted on July 28, 2020 and the H-1B guy live unedited, unscripted conversation covering H-1B, S-386, and more that originally posted on August 12th, 2020. But I wanted to take a deeper dive into why this is still an ongoing problem and how it has a direct impact on staff augmentation in both contingency and permanent hires. This problem is one that has been going on for over 25 years in the recruitment industry. And while this problem primarily exists in STEM recruiting space, it isn't unique to it either. I want to be very clear. I've come across some excellent resumes from H-1B candidates and other international resumes over the years. Ones that were very well written, clearly defined, and presentable to the hiring manager or customer. With that being said, I'd say three out of every four H-1B candidate resumes that I've reviewed in my career have fundamental flaws that highly discourage recruiters and even the most seasoned ones. Literally, any recruiter that I've personally worked with in my 16 years of staffing except maybe one or two. This is a problem. A really big problem. It creates so much waste. It wastes time and money across multiple silos. So in order to solve the problem, we have to first identify why there is so much hatred towards these resumes that I'm referring to. And believe me, I'm willing to bet that anyone who's listening to this knows exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm going to give my top 10 reasons why recruiters generally hate resumes from H-1B candidates in no particular order. One, the resume has a first or only a last, or only has initials. I don't care how many letters and syllables are in your name, please put your legal name as listed on your passport. And some advice, first and last name is sufficient. And even if that means you have FNU, first name unknown, or LNU, last name unknown, we need to know your legal name as listed on your passport. Number two, the resume is too long. You know what I'm talking about. 
we don't need 10 to 20 pages. Any working experience that is 10 years or longer, or you have a bunch of shorter term projects, group them together. Client, title, dates, location. The great debate that it's been going on is what is the right number of pages for a resume? I think the trend right now has been over the last two to three years that three to four pages is the maximum. If it's any longer than that, it better be for a very good reason. Number three, listing the degree, the complete degree. If you've earned one, it needs to be listed. It doesn't matter if it's a foreign degree, list it. And do not just list bachelor's ENG or B-Tech, the entire degree earned and university attended. If you have a master's degree, but it's in a different field, it needs to be listed. Let the recruiter or talent acquisition decide whether to include it or not. Number four, our applicant tracking system has 10 different profiles with 20 different resumes and none of them match you. You're going to get ignored. Even worse, if none of the 10 different profiles match your LinkedIn profile that we find, literal red flag, red flag, red flag. It means no contact for you. Talent acquisition and recruiters are not going to waste their time if there's any doubt created by the numerous profiles of you in our system. Number five, using words like having or exposure to or worked with. These are dead giveaways that you didn't write the resume that we were sent and that you probably didn't work with the technology you were exposed to directly or worked with. Just because it's in the environment or part of the tech stack doesn't mean it should be listed on the resume. This will also help in cutting down on the length of your resume. Number six, a professional summary page that is all bullet points and is over a page long. I'm talking about 15 to 20 bullet points on one page. Hear me on this. Please cut down on your summary. Just list three to five technologies that are your strengths, that you're most current with, and are capable of elaborating on in extreme detail, and I'll leave it at that. Number seven. Giving a company summary as part of the job responsibilities. It's one thing if you want to give a small project summary about the purpose of the application or project, but please don't include company ABC123 with offices and blah, blah, blah. We don't need to know how many employees they have and what their sales revenues were for 2014. Recruiters and talent acquisition, hear me on this. Literally, don't we just highlight and control X? I mean, we delete that out as fast as we can. Number eight, no contact information. Literally, no phone number, no email, no LinkedIn profile. Heck, there's even sometimes there isn't even a third-party vendor contact email or phone number. 
How do you expect us to follow up with you if we don't have this information? Oh, and by the way, we don't need your full address, but we definitely need to know the physical city you're currently located in. We need to share that information with our client. Number nine, first person references. Here's an example. I was part of an agile team of 12 where I was responsible for automation testing. We worked on two week sprints. I participated in retrospectives. I was using Selenium and JMeter for my testing. Get the point? Please stop using first person in your resume. It creates so much more work and we will always remove it before submitting it to our hiring managers or customers regardless. And number 10, bolding every word. Not literally, but you know what I mean. And I've seen some resumes that have come pretty close. I've never been a big fan of bolded words, but I've worked with a couple of very successful account executives that liked it when specific technologies were bolded that were required as part of the job description and it needed to be shown in the resume. I'll also mention personally this past summer, I had a really good friend's significant other help me get my resume in order and she recommended bolding a few key components to my skill set that make my profile unique. Thanks for helping me with that, by the way. So listen to me on this. Bolding words can be effective, but don't do it every other word. Use it to highlight a few of your best skills, not every skill. So you may be asking, why is this issue important in employment-based immigration? Well, as I've already alluded to, the fact that it's a waste of time and money. But most of all, it tarnishes your reputation for years to come. The applicant tracking systems that are utilized by every employer in the U.S. today are not going away, and neither is your profile record. No matter how many times you change your email or phone number, I assure you these records are still in place and they possibly are merged. A more efficient and qualitative resume will lead to a higher probability of you getting an interview. That's the goal. Remember that, to get an interview. In the staff augmentation cycle, that is the most important step in the process. If you've made it to this point, I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming Immigration Bites Episode 2 on the H1B Guy podcast. If you're not already, please subscribe to the H1B, podcast, H1B Guy podcast on your preferred podcast platform. For more employment-based immigration coverage, please visit the H1BGuy.com. And if you're not already, please follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the H1B Guy. Connect with me on LinkedIn or subscribe to the H1B Guy channel on YouTube. The H1B Guy podcast is brought to you by RecruiterNetworks.com. 
the smart solution for digital perm ads since 2001. I'm Robert. I'm the H1B guy, your global source for all things H1B.